Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Fantasy Freaks and Geeks, what's up? You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. James Go here with you, full cast of characters, doing this show once again in front of a live studio audience. Yes, Dylan Milner in the building. I love it. Uh, WizKid from Wisconsin, Alex Gelhar, what's cracking? It, I feel like the pressure's on back here that I've got a live studio audience <laughs> behind the glass. A, a seasoned, you know, professional A producer. professional, pro- yes. Not, not like me, just doing this all a little bit slapdash. So. Oh, man. Wow. Don't worry, guys. I will not suffer from performance anxiety <laughs> or anything like that. I will deliver Good. behind the glass. Perfect. I like it. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, what's up? Oh, man. It, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not much. Okay. <laughs> That's all I got for you right uh, now. A rousing start to the podcast. Right? I like it. Adam Frank, the fantasy maverick in the building. What's up? What's happening, man? How you feeling, pal? I feel great. I have uh, spent some time calling my representative. You represent. I, I have a new thing where okay. I don't complain about, and I'm not going to say which way I lean, yeah. but I don't complain on Facebook. I now count my rep, and now we're we're best friends. Oh, or at least the lady who answers the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, we have a great show in front of you here today. We we just finished because we are degenerates. We just finished our very first off season mock draft. I put it in my calendar as mock draft number one. Oh, there's going to be a lot of them, James. Exactly, and I'm excited. I'm excited can I, for can it. I, may I say one thing? Please. In addition to what I just said. Mm. Can we uh, – and I get this a lot on the uh, on the social media. Mm. People don't necessarily appreciate 10-team mocks. Those people don't have to try to organize wrangling 10 people to be in one place at the same time. So I'm, like I'm sorry 90 for, people who sit around us. I'm, I'm sorry that we provide you with free content. Okay. Let me, say, let me say a couple things about this. One, <laughs> I know if people complain about it. There are still plenty of leagues that are 10 teams. Two, as the person who has to orchestrate right. all these things right. and get 10 busy people who aren't always the promptest to respond to emails or text messages on the same place, on the same time, on the same platform with no technological or other hangups. Yeah. You all come schedule Seriously, that. Like, like, <laughs> I, I understand why people complain about it, but you also don't understand the machinations that go and, into putting these things together. Or before together. you start talking about busy people, we have a person in here just watching the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how busy everybody is around here. Well, we're going to do a, an 11 team uh, mock next time. Then. Well, no, we, we will be doing 12 teams. We'll be doing four teams. We're servicing oh all gosh. fans. 
And, like, also, like, we want qualities in the mocks. We're not just going to grab Joe Schmoes that sit around us as well. We're gonna... But Elliot was in it. Oh. Shots fired. Wow. Needlessly. Wow. The odds of him listening is even worse than the ATL guys who are actually on this once in a while. Oh, my goodness. That's true. Uh, But anyways, no, we will have a 14-team mock later this summer. We will have multiple 12 teams. Standard and PPR. We'll do 10-team PPR. Should we throw up a poll? Who is more likely to listen to this podcast? Dave Damashek. (laughs) Anyone from ATN. Or Elliot Harrison. I'd oh. put. I'd probably put POTUS above all of those people. POTUS. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's a good solid four choice poll right there. <laughs> <laughs> President Trump. President the Trump. ATN. Elliot or Damashek. <laughs> oh man! Wow. Ooh, Dylan also threw in Eisen. If we Eisen? Go five deep, maybe we kick somebody else off. See, I guess we just take off the the, the orange dude. Yeah, probably. All right. Well, That's should we get bad. to the show though? This yeah, is gonna man. be our, this is gonna be our last show now. I just know. It. <laughs> Everybody's gonna look and listen and get this very. Is, this is going to be our last show. I do like it. We're it's, gonna have a full, complete mock draft number one reaction. We're gonna talk about some trends we saw emerging, some surprising picks, some uh, some interesting you know guys who fell. In the draft, we'll close out your show with Daily Depth, but we start, as always, with your top headlines. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to have your kids, have your wife. We'll start in Carolina. Kelvin Benjamin is reportedly fat. That's according to Ron Rivera. No, actually, he didn't say that. He said uh, he's, uh, quote, unquote, a little heavy. Uh, that was last week, though. Per the Charlotte Observer this week, Ron Rivera said KB is working off the extra weight, extolling the work ethic, saying, quote, he's been what you would hope for or what he (laughs) – I can get this. He's been what you would hope he would be. What do we make of the news, gentlemen? Do we like KB in this offense? They've added some some extra dimensions to it. They're talking about opening up a little bit. Uh, you know, Kelvin Benjamin could be a guy that uh, could provide some sneaky value, no? Yeah, I think especially when you consider his current uh, draft costs. We saw in the mock draft he didn't go until until much later, I think, because of concerns over the way this offense could be changing with the additions of Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel. Right. And also the fact that Kelvin kind of fell down, fell back a little bit to the to earth. He's coming back from a major knee injury, and, you know, that could have been a cause to why he was a little overweight reporting for camp, but I just don't think this is going to be an offense where it's going to be highly concentrated through Kelvin Benjamin like it was his rookie year when he had 140 targets or whatever. So he certainly – this should be a good offense with Cam Newton and all these guys around it, but it's not one where you're going to go out and throw a third-round pick or something like, I mean, I, like that at Kelvin. I, I just feel like the, the way – looking at the moves that the Panthers made this offseason, especially with their draft picks – yeah. They are going away from you know these two big lumbering guys they had out there, and Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funchess. I mean, guys who were kind of you know overgrown wide receivers or undersized tight ends, whatever you want to call them, right. uh, in favor of you know more agile, more uh, versatile, speed speedier guys with uh, Christian McCaffrey and, and Curtis Samuel. So um, I don't know, maybe this is partially to try to light a fire underneath uh, Kelvin Benjamin or something, but I just feel like this offense is going to look – I keep saying that. I think it's going to look very different this year than what we've seen the last few years. I just – I don't buy it yet. I really don't buy it. Uh, you know, color me skeptical. I, I just think – Wait, you what know, are you not buying that he's fat? <laughs> <laughs> I buy that 100%. I buy that 100%. I'm not buying the fact that I think I don't think Carolina 
we've seen this offense for so many years now. It's been the exact same damn thing. Um, they talk about adding new wrinkles, and I, I haven't really seen anything of any significance. And they, I know they've got seen them. We haven't got, seen them, haven't seen them do anything. I, I agree. I agree that they've I, invested draft capital in these guys, Curtis Samuel and, and especially Christian McCaffrey. But, again, it's all off-season talk until I actually see it on the field. I kind of I kind of get where you're coming from. It's like the dude who goes to Dick's Sporting Goods and he buys, like, orange golf pants, a white belt, new clubs. You're like, I still haven't seen you swing the club. Like, I still have to have some sort of information. That a little can, bit. Can I, I have a little bit you, of info? You can, you can use that. You know, you know James. If I disagree, I think that will be good. You know, James, this time last year, Ezekiel Elliott had never played in an NFL game. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, but it's like. Come on. <laughs> that's completely. <laughs> it look, is. Look, look, I'm not making, I'm not making the, the, the Zeke Elliott argument that he's got to do it first. I'm just saying. We've seen so much evidence contrary to what we're – I mean, it's amazing that we're just – people in the fantasy community are just so easy to just say, well, Ron Rivera's obviously going to change. Ron Rivera's obvious – why? What evidence do we have right now that, that, that indicates that we are going to see a significant change in the Carolina draft, offense? A top 10 draft pick in a completely different player to me is the sign that – this is different than it's like, a sign. This is different than lip service with oh yeah, we're gonna get player X more involved this year. Oh wow, he's gonna break out this year. He's in the best shape of his life. That's very tropes we had Dan Hans come on a few episodes back and discuss. Sure. That making that kind of financial and draft capital commitment to me is a sign that this this offense is changing. Yeah. I, I mean I, I understand both sides of it. It's just to me we're so fast. To say, well, Caroline's obviously going to change, and, I, and I'm just, and I'm sitting so wait, back here saying, well, your, I, I don't, your, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true. on this with Kelvin Benjamin. Then is my question: Are you higher on him than like where he went? Or I think I am. I think I am. If it, if it's the Cam Newton we've come to know and love, I mean, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna sling it. Uh, and we've seen him pound targets to Greg Olson. We've seen him pound targets uh, to Kelvin Benjamin when he was a rookie as well. So, you know, I, I think he's got at least. He certainly has positional upside. Uh, I don't know if he'll get there because of the weight concerns. And, and again, as you mentioned, if the offense does change to feature Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel more, I don't know where Kelvin Benjamin fits into that. But I'll tell you what, if it's the same old, same old, I like the price that Kelvin Benjamin is going at right now. All right, we'll move on. Tavon Austin had wrist surgery about a week ago to repair some ligament damage for the Rams. Uh, the team is hopeful Austin's going to be available for when the Rams open training camp in about a couple months here. Shocking no one except Marcus Grant. Oh. Tavon Austin was horrendous last year. Too soon. <laughs> Collecting Too a paltry 668 total yards and four combined scores. I mean, you know, like, look, in his defense, he got all of the targets last year. So, I mean, I really feel like it was the like the football equivalent of shooting the moon. You know, like, when you're playing hearts and, like you you know, you either get all of the books or, like, none of them, you know? Like, it, it's kind of like that. That's what he did last year, where he got all of the opportunity and none of the production. What do you see for 2017? Uh, Sean McVay is, I mean, you know, I, I, I would imagine it's going to be a much more up-tempo offense, more imaginative uh, we'll see year two uh, of of Jared Goff here. I, I don't know. They didn't really they didn't really get a guy in the draft where I'm like, well, obviously Tavon Austin is is now dead to me. I mean, Cooper Cup. So targets monster. Here's the thing. Yeah, like you are you were skeptical about the Panthers' offense changing, right? Where I look at it as the coaches in Carolina are the same, but they have new personnel. They have personnel that they've never really had before. Yep. 
I see what you're saying. In the for the Rams, it's kind of the opposite, right. where they've got personnel. new coaching, but the personnel is pretty much the same. So, uh-huh. like, I just don't see like for Tavon Austin, I I see kind of much of the same. I mean, at this point, we've seen him how many years? Like, he is who who we know he is now. He's a forty million dollar gadget player. That's it. Uh, I will say that the offense lost because you were disrespecting Kenny Britt, who actually led the team in targets, Marcus. By oh my, my bad. Yes, my no, that's uh, true. Between Kenny Britt, Lance Kendricks, and Brian Quick all leaving, there are two hundred and seventy five targets, at least just from last year, up for grabs. They went out and got Bobby Woods, uh, from the Bills and Free Agency, who I think could have some sneaky value as well as a guy that's going to see a lot of work. And then, you know, Cooper like, like uh, Adam said, I mean, somebody of their draft picks of uh, Cooper Cup, who was it, Josh Reynolds and uh, the tight end, Gerald Everett, one of those guys is going to fall into a buttload of targets as a rookie. Yeah, that's true. And, you know. Tyler Higby's there as well. We might need to just wait and read the tea leaves in, in training camp to see which of those guys is kind of emerging. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I mentioned Gerald Everett is because Sean McVay went out of his way to say that he thought this guy could be his Jordan Reed. Mm, interesting. Mm. So that that's something that kind of piqued my interest there. Like, Everett was a super raw guy out of South Alabama. If the big, offense. Big if the, and athletic like Jordan Reed. If the offense is much better than advertised, there's going to be certainly uh, some great, great fantasy values here to be found in L.A. because I don't think anybody's going to be investing any kind of significant draft capital in any Ram. I mean, even Todd Gurley, who's going, you know, in the first three rounds – I, you know, I, I don't know. Is he? Could You're he, hoping more than anything. Yeah, exactly. Could he have a bounce back? I don't know. I, I guess it's possible. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Zeke Elliott told DallasCowboys.com that he thinks he can be even better this upcoming season. The reason why? He thinks he can do more on the second level, meaning just past the line of scrimmage. Cliff Averill was on NFL Network saying Zeke could go for 2K. I'll seriously ask you guys, though. Can Zeke go for 2K? Sure, why not? All-purpose? Rushing. 2K rushing. He rushed for 1631 last year. Why not? I mean, I, I, I really don't I don't really see why that's – yeah, I, I understand it's a big number, but – It's a huge number. You're talking about a, a talented all-around running back behind a great offensive line. I know they've, you know they've lost some folks and things are changing there a little bit, but still a very good offensive line. Um, a pretty good offense in general. Pretty good offense in general. And one that, look, I, you know – and, I'm, and we're going to get to our mock draft, and I have some thoughts on Des Bryant. Okay. He's there. Um, but overall, it's not a passing game that you know is going to – it doesn't rank with some of the top passing games in the league. So right. this is a team that could lean on Zeke. And, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's improbable, but it's not impossible. My concern about it, I would just go ahead and say no, is because their defense has lost a lot of good starters. Mm. And that unit last year – Way overperformed. Way over, and it kept them in great game scripts where Zeke could be fed the Rockets. Right, but you look back to like if that defense is worse or resembles the unit that was kind of getting carved up by the Packers in the playoffs, and that's more of a weekly occurrence. The the game scripts are going to flip on Zeke, and Mm. that's why I think two thousand rushing yards is out of the question. Two thousand total yards, sure. Oh, that's totally doable. If he starts getting you know starts getting worked in a little bit more in the passing game and they're playing catch up. They're going to want to put the ball in the hands of their best player. I think about why Zeke Elliott said this as well. You know, I we I remember watching him play the first couple of games, uh, and especially in the preseason as well. When he did get into that second level, he was much more concerned about protecting the rock than looking for extra yardage. He looked a little, and of, of course he's a, he's a rookie, you know what I mean? Uh, but he looked a little bit tentative once he got into that second level, uh, kind of looking to absorb hits more than just kind of break free. And we saw him breaking free. Uh, especially in the back half 
of, of last year. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry. Uh, he had 12 carries in week 16, and he sat in week 17. Despite that, led the league in rushing mm-hmm. with 16.31. Certainly, uh, I think I agree with Marcus. It's not. Pro- I don't know if it's probable, but it's not impossible to see this guy run for 2,000 yards. I'd be excited to see it. Uh, St. Star Center, Max Unger, the centerpiece of that Jimmy Graham deal a few years back, uh, had surgery to repair a broken foot last week. The Saints reportedly expect Unger back sometime during the preseason. What does this mean for Drew Brees, that run game, and just the offense in general? Uh... <laughs> I think it's I think it's a, so, a solid loss because uh, a center who has had several years of consistency with a quarterback like Drew Brees makes of a lot of lot of adjustments at the line. Uh, I think that that could have a, a negative effect if he can't get back in time for the regular season. It certainly would be something to watch. Um, we saw just last year, you know how in the past I had thought that sometimes you know depending on the center, it's not as critical of a spot in the offensive line. Obviously, you want to go to the tackles first, but. In a situation like this, and especially where they just went out and signed Adrian Peterson, a more between the tackles runner, it could have a, it could have a bigger impact. Not anything to drop anybody seriously down the board, though. But it's something we're going to need to watch his health coming back. Because if they have to throw in, I don't know who their backup center is off the top of my head, but if they have to throw in Joe Schmo starting uh, starting off, might be worrisome. I really worry that these Saints are going to introduce us to the horrid concept of a one down back. <laughs> so Adrian Peterson gets first down, Mark Ingram gets second. Ryan and the Kamar comes in on the on the passing downs. Yeah, we're just gonna have a series of one down backs in New Orleans. That would be. There was that report awful. that they could be trading Mark Ingram. So yeah, I have saw seen that. Really, yeah. Yes. And uh, one last thing, Dylan. Uh, it's good we got him back here. Pointed this out that uh, the Vikings are reportedly signing Michael Floyd. Uh, apparently it is. Yeah, if it's not done, it's Breaking close to news. done. Yes. Breaking news. Woo, woo, woo. Well, that was the one thing too. Uh, on last week's show, we yeah. kind of talked about the Saints' offensive line, and I wasn't very respectful to them because I I spent a lot of I I usually look at like pro football focus. Yeah. But as uh, Chris Wessling pointed out, and somebody on Twitter alerted me to this too. Uh, shocking. Um, no, but the the Saints, according to the uh, Football Outsiders, okay. actually had the most efficient offensive line in terms of run blocking. Yes. Which I said that's great for Mark Ingram, or whoever is actually whoever actually running the ball to. for them, because that's the one thing about Adrian. Like, again, the thing with Adrian Peterson is that like he's 32 years old. There's not like a lot of great evidence. Yeah, of these guys being in their a thirty-two-year-old coming off, especially when you have that much. Like, I think Tiki Barber might be one. Yeah, guy who was don't say John get. Riggins because that's the where, that's where well, we said, goes. We, we, well, what we, about we John Riggins? John, <laughs> no, we, we mentioned him last week. <laughs> we said that that Hogs unit was uh, one of the best in uh, NFL history. So the Saints, and it would be a big blow if uh, if Max Unger is not able to play or not play well or anything, or if he struggles, has some lingering issues. Moving a. a God, fixing that center position. I I, I would just take a I, the Al- most recent example I would say is look at the Chargers, where they've never look replaced, at the Falcons. Yeah, you know, and uh, the Chargers never replaced Nick Hardwick. Right. You know, and it, and it took Melvin uh, Melvin Gordon some time to to finally get going, and and the kind of running backs that they had to use. So if the Saints are in a similar position, where their dominant run blocking is dinged up a little bit then you got to go to the receiver that can catch the football out of the backfield, which to me makes the idea that they're going to be getting rid of Mark Ingram a little fishy to me because hmm. he's great out of the backfield. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. So that kind of stuff just kind of doesn't jive with me. And I think that if Unger is hurt and anybody 
who is banking on this Adrian Peterson finding the fountain of youth business needs to uh, slow their temper, roll. temper their expectations oh. a little bit. All right, let's talk about the mock draft number one. We just did this on Monday morning, mm-hmm. bright and early, 8 a.m. Uh, you can find it. Uh, you can find the. I think you can find the the uh, the reaction right. NFL.com/slash/Gelhar. Uh, yeah, that's got all of the results, and I provide a little bit of analysis in between each of the rounds there. there and go. then it also has links to Fabiano's pick by pick strategy and thinking. And then Cynthia did a little piece too, where she kind of pulled out some nuggets and things that were interesting to her from the overall mock draft, both her picks and otherwise. So mock draft analysis, just go to Gelhar's page, NFL.com slash Gelhar. You could also find our top 100 rankings. Michael Fabiano did a top 200 ranking, which is why you can find it all at NFL.com slash top 200. So there you go. Uh, we'll get into the first round here. Mike Evans goes before Odell Beckham Junior. It's a great place to start because Rank said to me before Mock started, <laughs> he's like, "Can I just put Mike Evans on the board right now?" He's like, "He's like nobody else is going to pick him ahead of me." Yeah. And I, was, I looked at the board and I was like, "Yeah, you're probably right." Rank probably. R- Rank was picking sixth overall, and then Marcus. Yeah, and no offense to Marcus, but this isn't kind of the savvy, heady pick that I would expect out of you. <laughs> That's wow. where it kind thank, of. Thank, I don't, but I don't mean it. I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> thank you. I don't mean that about – no, it's it's obvious. I didn't realize, uh, to my, my chagrin, yes. uh, I didn't realize it was Marcus directly in front of me because last year Marcus had Mike Evans in our NFL fantasy I league. I did. There you go. And it's part of the reason why his team was a juggernaut. So it, it shouldn't have completely surprised me. It was one of those things where I just looked at my draft position, didn't see who was, uh, who was drafting ahead of me, and then – some people, because they, they brought it up on, obviously, on the social media about, like, why why do people think he's the number one, like, the number one receiver? It's like, yeah, I don't know, because he finished as the wide, wide receiver, receiver one. <laughs> That's where I'm getting this crazy notion. What a crazy thought. That, that he might, he might <clears throat> And And really, you know, and you look at the, the top four, but I would definitely have taken him above Antonio Brown. Really? Maybe on bet. Yeah, 100%. So wait, hold up, hold up. So let's go back. First of all, let's uh, Adam. Uh, let's get your thoughts on why Mike Evans before Antonio Brown, because I saw your rankings as well, and that did surprise me. Because he was better than him last year. Yeah, I, I like. I, I like part. that their offense is evolving. They're getting better. Jameis Winston is on the incline, and you think about how well Mike Evans played last season. He did that without a guy who was there stretching the defense. Now they've got Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson there. They added O.J. Howard, who I don't think is going to come in and particularly have great fantasy stats right off the top. But he helps the offense. But he's on the he's on the field, and you have to account for him. Sure. So, and I think that just the – But why not Antonio Brown? Because he's been throughout his career with uh, Big Ben. Consistent. I mean, pummeled so, you're talking about somebody who's just as good, but you can't uh, – listen, I would love to have both of them. <laughs> if I'm in a fantasy league, I will certainly petition everybody – I want Mike Evans. And in addition, I would also like, like to have Antonio Brown. Brown. <laughs> Unfortunately, you have to pick the person All right. that you think is going to be the best. And I and I feel like with a full season from Le'Veon Bell, possibly, yeah. Martavis Bryant coming back into the mix. I see. That perhaps I Antonio see. Brown will not hit the touchdown numbers that Mike Evans is going to have. And he had 13, if I'm not mistaken, there last year. I think he can get into 15. I think 17 is an actual possibility. All right, so let's get to Marcus Grant now. Uh, Mike Evans before OBJ, and and I think that will also surprise some folks. Let's a- and you let's took him run, before. I was gonna say let's just run through the first several picks sure. to give people context here. We keep talking about what's happening in the middle of the round, but Sorry. it should no. So okay, it should be no surprise. But franchise kicked things off. David Johnson, Cynthia took Le'Veon Bell. I took Zeke Elliott. Elliott took Antonio Brown. 
uh, fourth overall. Marcus took Mike Evans fifth, and then rank OBJ sixth. So uh, Marcus Grant, uh, Mike Evans before OBJ and Julio Jones, which again I think will surprise some folks out there. Why? Why Mike Evans? Uh, I mean, because he was the number one receiver in, uh, <laughs> right. in fantasy last Thank year. Thank you, pal. I, I mean, I, I do like what the Bucks offense is going to be this year. They have so many weapons, and I know people will worry that there are a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. Um, but I do think that this also opens things up for Evans down the field. Now you can't just focus solely on him because you've got to worry about Deshaun Jackson. And on the other side, you've got to worry a little bit about O.J. Howard if he turns out to be the guy we think he can be. They've got guys out of the backfield who can make plays. So there are a whole lot more weapons there. And I think that's going to bode well for Evans. Maybe he doesn't get force-fed quite as many targets, but I also think that means he sees more quality targets with maybe more one-on-one coverage. And I know the, you know, I know the Matt Harmon uh, you know, double coverage is sort of a myth thing. But I, I do think with so many other weapons out there, as a defense, you just can't take away Mike Evans. You've got to worry about other guys too. Yes. All right, so there you go. Uh, I took A.J. Green eighth. Harmon took DeMarco Murray. The wide receiver guy took a, a running back at nine overall. Well, that was after a run of five wide, five wide receivers in the first. It was indeed. It was indeed. LaShawn McCoy, Jordy Nelson went 10-11. Okay, so um, you take a look at the second round now. Uh, Todd Gurley was the running back nine taken in the second round, uh, 17 overall. Thoughts there on... Todd Gurley still being able to sneak into the second round despite having, you know, what most people would consider a, a pretty poor 2016. And we'll start with you, Adam Wright. I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Todd Gurley, <laughs> Todd Gurley no, goes there in the second round. I got round. an urgent email from I see. somebody. I see. Which is amazing. Uh, the one thing about Todd Gurley, if, if you're like me, I, I like to go – wide receiver heavy from the very beginning. And Todd Gurley is one of those guys that you'd look at and just expect him to fall in drafts. I think anybody who drafted him last year will never want to have anything to do with him again. That's right. And I think people just look at that situation in Los Angeles and be like, I don't want any part of it, and they will let him tumble down to draft. Now, Elliot took him in the, the second well, round. That's it. But it just takes one person to buy in. It's like the NFL draft. It just takes one person to buy in. Like, I think they'll rebound. And so – for a second-round price, I'm not into that. I also feel like he's going to go to the guy, to the manager who drafts more conservatively. Yes. Right? If you're drafting for upside or if you want to swing for home runs or whatever, I, I just don't see Todd Gurley ending up on your roster unless he somehow falls into, like, you know, late third, early fourth value, right? Well, here's the thing, the thing that's baffling to me as well because Alex took Jay Ajayi with the next pick. And yeah. he, I mean, to me, those two, oh, geez, I wasn't supposed to talk about Jay Ajay because I left him off my top 100. Oh, did you? Because I, I'll, I'll give on it. On accident? Or? I'll give it to the podcast listeners, right? Yeah, because you know what? My friends steal all my picks. Like, they read what I write. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't have to give you everything. And a, lot of people, a lot of people notice that, too. I don't have to they're give like, you hey, everything. they're like, where's Jay Ajay? I'm like, you know what? I'll give you my phone number. You can call me. I'll let you know. Where he is, uh, where he is, you know. Um, I'll give you. Actually, if I had a if I had a phone on my desk at work, I would oh. literally do that because I think that that would be. I should get a desk phone. Yeah. Because I will literally give it out and be like, "Yeah, just call me at work. Just call me on my desk. Like, call, call, call your representative. Call your yeah. fantasy. Analyst. Call your representative, and I'll be <laughs> like, oh, yeah, what, what you, you, don't, you don't, you don't have a phone on your desk. No, you're like the only person in the company. <laughs> like, wait, do you guys what? have? Do you guys have landlines too? Like, it's 2017. I don't. I have Slack. I have my own personal phone. Yeah. I've got a computer. Yes. 
Uh, there's plenty of ways to reach now, me. I don't need a desk phone. I have hold li- on. Can we? I didn't ask for a we're phone. We're gonna pause and dive into this real quickly. <laughs> Did you remove your own phone out of some <laughs> like <laughs> millennial cord cutting thing at the office? Like I don't need this. Exactly what happened. You just took it out. I said I don't need this. This it's taking up space on my desk, and I've got photos of my daughter and stuff like that that would I would rather have on my desk. And okay. I'm like, this, I'm, this is a. I've got a Darth Maul lunchbox. Like, there's, there's a lot. There's limited <laughs> space. <laughs> limited real estate on, there. Uh-huh. On the rink. Going cubicle. on in my thing. And by the way, speaking of Darth Maul, okay. I don't, I don't oh, care God. that people go out and they want to do their thing on May the 4th be with you. And I love the people on the show that were doing, like, their NFL to, to Star Wars comparisons. But to pretend that Darth Maul died in Episode 1 is completely ignorant. Okay, what? he lives on. How does he live on? A, he, he 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 got chopped in half survives. and fell into an, an endless pit. No, he did, and he falls onto another planet, and he rebuilds himself. Did you not? You you act like you've never seen the Clone Wars. Oh my God! Okay, we got <laughs> <laughs> started with the conversation Should about I, Rank's Rebels? phone. Can I? And now we're on Darth. Yeah, listen, you know what though? That's on you. I know. We, it's on that's me. on you. Can we back up a couple that's, of picks? That's in, why I thought it was great that please, you said, "Look, in, we're going to dive uh, into this right now." Because you know it's not oh, going to stop. You should have known where this is going to go. So I want to go back up a couple of picks in the uh, in the second round. Thank yeah. you, Marcus. Uh, rank taking Des Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, can I explain that? No, please do. I would. Um, we were using a list. In the middle of the second round, that's not bad. It was not mine. No, I would have taken DeAndre Hunt. I feel oh. like that's high. If this was like a real, like I wasn't, I was like, oh, geez, I missed it. Because like the person whose list we were using was not very high on DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. Because on my personal list, D-Hop uh, is. he would have been up there. He would have been right after uh, A.J. Green in my receiver rankings. Okay. Because I would have had him ahead of Jordy and ahead of Mike, Mike Thomas. Oh, wow. Yeah, 100%. Okay. He's going to rebound. Like He was bad last year because Brock Osweiler is terrible sure. compared to other NFL quarterbacks. Yes. I hear so you. So he's going to have a – if you're looking for somebody to bounce back, if you're talking about like, oh, I hope Todd Gurley bounces back, I have more confidence in DeAndre in Hopkins yeah. bouncing back. I have more confidance in Allen Robinson bouncing back. All right, but Marcus Grant, tell me why you're not uh, very particularly high on Des Bryant this year. Um, I, I just want – I mean, we talk about that offense and, you know, at least the passing game being good, not great. Uh, the schedule certainly is not in favor. And I know that, you know, I know trying to calculate strength of schedule sometimes can be a fool's errand, especially Ooh, at this yeah. point in the year. But at least right now on paper, the schedule doesn't work well. There isn't a solid number two to take a lot of that pressure off of him. Jason Witten is like 73 years old. Um <laughs> You know, there's True. just there's a lot True. I think that's kind of going against Dez. And considering the last you know the last couple of years, he's had injury issues. Uh, he hasn't really had a lot of great numbers. I mean, he had those three years bunched up from you know 2012 through 2014 where he yeah. was fantastic. What was it like 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns? You know, basically like every year. You know, yeah. I mean, you're good. You, you were good for double digit touchdowns, 12 to 1,300 yards. It's been a couple of years since we've seen that Dez Bryant, and True. and you wonder whether or not. And this isn't about Dez's ability, but it's just the way the offense works there now in Dallas. I, I have a hard time thinking of him as a wide receiver one. He's Here's kind a of a question he's kind you. of a low fringe wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Would now. you take T.Y. Uh, Hilton or Des Bryant? T.Y. I d- I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. All right, let's go to the third round here. Leonard Fournette uh, goes there with the first pick in the third round. You know, I I think it's an important le- and, and I say this every year, but if you're on the turn, go get your guy. Right. So I think you, franchise did that a couple times. Yeah. So you know, when you're on the turn, you kind of have to you know askew rankings and just go get your guy so and even if it's you know five or six or seven picks uh before you'd like to make it uh, you know if he's there and you can go get him 
go get them. So, and I think that's exactly what Franchise did there uh, in round number three. But Brandon Cooks at 26. Why? What? Am I the guy being picked on all of a sudden? I actually like that pick. I well, I, I was going to ask you a lot of – I think there's a lot of concern. <laughs> Look, Brandon Cooks, again, <laughs> even though he's on a new team, is still going to be a highly polarizing uh, fantasy asset. Uh, I think some people might see him there as the number one wide receiver in a great offense with Tom Brady. Other people are going to say, Thank look, they're they've got a lot of mouths to feed. And, you know, he might be the number one, quote, unquote, wide receiver, but it's so long as Gronk is there – you know, Brandon Cook's ceiling might be a, a bit limited, but I want to get your take, Adam Rank, on why you like Brandon Cooks this year. Well, the one, I mean, you also have to look at where he's going in that draft as well. Carlos Hyde was the pick immediately after him. So I kind of, those were the two guys I was really looking at. Um, but you look at the receivers who go after him. Alshon Jeffrey, like he has an injury history. He's joining a new team. Doug Baldwin has not been a consistent force each and every week. Keenan Allen has injury concerns trail prior all right maybe Demarius Thomas Michael Crabtree Samuel okay so there's not like it's not like I'm passing them over passing over like a lot of huge names and I do think that the the Patriots were so enthralled with him they put such a need on him that they're going to go out and get him and I think that the last time that we really saw Tom Brady surrounded by this much talent you got to go all the way back to the 2007 season when he set those records and I really believe the Patriots are going to be in one of those situations again where they're really going to try to put it on people Hmm. there's going to be a lot of opportunity to go out there and put up a lot of points bill belichick's not afraid to run up the score and true and to look at it about like rob gronkowski who's missed a lot of time over the course of his career and some of the other guys i don't i don't really find that as a concern i i think that he's going to surpass julian edelman i think julian edelman's one who just they're going to forget about him. I mean, that's the way the Patriots operate. It's like, hey, thank you so much for everything you've done. We're, we're done with you now. And <laughs> they move that, on. There was that great video of uh, – I forget what it was from. NFL Films caught it, I think, where years ago when Edelman was a, rook, a seventh-round rookie, he was returning a punt in the preseason, and Welker was talking to Belichick like, oh, man, that number 11's fast, whatever his number was at the time. He goes, Belichick's, yeah, he's going to take your job. Holy. was basically like what he said to him. What? <laughs> like he's going to take your job in a year. Wow. He don't give – AF. Any nope. nope. Uh What I will say about this, though, is like there were a couple wide receivers I would have taken before Brandon Cooks there. Okay. Like you said, Doug Baldwin hasn't been the picture of consistency. Neither has Brandon Cooks. He's been a very spotty up-and-down guy. That's true. But Doug Baldwin's inconsistencies have still had him finish as like the wide receiver 8, wide receiver 11 in the last couple of years. Keenan Allen, if fully healthy, is still the top target in that offense, and he was a guy that was looking set to just set the stat sheets on fire before his injury last year. Um, I I still like Sammy Watkins here, or you know even Michael Crabtree before uh, before Cooks, just because that offense is. I'm surprised I, I, Travis Landry fell this much. I mean, are I'm we, not. We, I mean, we have Mister. Um, he's going to get fourteen hundred four, yards and fourteen hundred to fourteen, fourteen to fourteen in the studio no? here. But like, what's the? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> what's the? What's this? What's the ceiling for Landry? Like, I think that's why he falls. Like, you know yeah. he's going to be, especially in PPR, he's going to have a safe weekly output. He's going to get his targets. But, True. like, he's not getting into the end zone a lot. He doesn't stretch the field a ton. And that offense still, they just re-signed Kenny Stills. Devontae Parker's still there. I think I think there's enough concerns about how high his ceiling goes, which is why he fell to, what, the first pick of First pick in five. the fifth round, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> we'll go to the uh, last pick in the fifth round, or I guess the second to last pick in the fifth round. Matt Harmon selects Amir Abdullah. Um, I don't know where the hell to place 
Amir Abdullah. We, we've got an injury history in his young career. We've got fumbling issues in his young career. And yet he could still be the, you know, RB1 there for Detroit. I, I just I don't know where to put this guy. Uh, and Matt Harmon taking him at the end of the fifth round. I don't know if that's good value, bad value, or, or what to make of it. What, what do you guys say? I like that spot. I think that's probably about the, the draft price you're going to have to pay for Amir Abdullah. I think right now we're we're chasing the upside and what we believe he can be because we've seen glimpses of it. Like, do you do that as early as round five? I mean, it, considering if he's going to be the lead back in a high-powered offense that's going to have lots of opportunities to score points, the heck yeah. yeah. Like, I'd rather take him than, you know, Paul Perkins, who he took two rounds later, or yeah, some sure. of these other guys that are mired in bigger committees, so... I just, I, you know, I just wonder how much the Lions believe and trust in Amir Abdullah. And right. that has always kind of been the issue for me that I don't think, I, to your point, I don't think he's got a clear role in, in Detroit's offense. I don't think they have any clear defined running back roles at all in Detroit. I mean, it's not just Abdullah. He's the guy that we're, we're talking about here. But I just feel like over the last few years, yep. we've seen any number of guys in any number of spots. I mean, you know, Theo Riddick's been there. We've seen what Dwayne Washington come through. I mean, we've yep. seen so many guys get opportunities there with no real rhyme or reason. Uh, you know, Zach Zinner is still hanging out on the roster here, too. So I just... I, I just, I mean, he and Dwayne Washington didn't really get chances until... Until those guys got hurt. got hurt. Right. Theo got nicked up as well and proved he couldn't run between the tackles. It just seems like from what they've said, what they what they invested in him as the draft capital, and what we've seen at times on the field, they're going to want to give him – I mean, this, this was a second-round pick a couple years ago. Yep. They're going to want to give him every chance to be that dynamic piece, and while he'll certainly lose some uh, catches to Theo Riddick, who's almost like more of a who's slot like, receiver at this point. Yeah. <laughs> right, but they, yeah. they're also kind of the same guy. Yeah, but Amir's a, a much more capable between the tackles runner, and he's proven that. Before. And also next level, he's gone, dude. You know what I mean? Like, Theo Reddick is good, uh, especially out of the backfield, but once he he's, he doesn't have that breakaway speed that, that Amir Abdullah has. Uh, by the way, a little bit of breaking news here. The Patriots have extended a minimal offer to LeGarrette Blunt. We're not sure if he's expected to sign or not. But, hey, uh, Patriots, stop talking to players. <laughs> I mean, was it, this backfield a, is ridiculous. They had a visit with Kristen Michael uh, earlier, I think, in the week, like Tuesday, I believe it was. Stop talking to people. Like, you only have 53 roster spots. Stop. And 25 of them are going to running backs. Uh, they they have extended a reportedly a $1.1 million offer to LeGarrette Blunt, and considering there, I haven't heard of any other teams interested in LeGarrette. He's circling the Lions, reportedly as well. And That's a good fit. Giants, and I don't want him to go to the Lions. I mean, it's a good fit football-wise. I'd rather, I'd rather have them give the chance to Amir. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'd rather have him go to. I, I just from a, a, a pure football. Like real football standpoint, it's I understand a good fit. that too. Yeah, but I'm fantasy wise, yes. I want fantasy <laughs> results here. It's so Very funny because I don't want to be the. I don't want this because I've been on Amir Abdullah like every year of his career. It's like right. I still feel like I have. To, he I'm was like, one of your I'm, dreaded I'm, fifth round picks. I'm pot committed now. Okay. Like, yes. I don't want his breakout to come when he's not on my team. All right, because that would be the worst feeling in the world. Because <laughs> like we have like a we have like a a keeper baseball league. But it's a pretty extensive one. It's nearly a dynasty league. And I had, like, Xander Bogarts one year when he was, like, a prospect and I had to get rid of him. Like, that kind of stuff lingers with you. Okay. All right, let's go to the sixth round. Deshaun Jackson, Martavis Bryant go within a couple of picks of each other. Root, root. I, I feel like that's going to be a good debate that we're going to see throughout 
uh, the fantasy offseason as well. Who would you guys rather have, Deshaun Jackson or Martavis Bryant? Well, I mean, you can ask me because I was the one that took Deshaun Jackson. I was staring at him and Martavis Bryant, and there I took Deshaun Jackson with the eighth pick in the sixth round, hoping per- perchance that Martavis would come back around to me on the turn, forgetting, of course, that in- sitting on that turn was noted Steelers homer <laughs> Matt Franciscovich, who quickly <laughs> scooped up Martavis Bryant. Right. I think they're both very close right now. I just I've been high on the Deshaun Jackson to Tampa Bay thing. It was one of my dream fits. It happened. We've talked a lot about the Bucks offense and what it could mean, and I think it's just exciting the prospect of Deshaun Jackson being a dynamic number two that's probably gonna see plenty of targets and have a ton of upside. Right. I wouldn't fault anybody for going the other way, but that whole sixth round was loaded in wide receivers. Harmon started off with Tyreek Hill. You took Dante Moncrief, Fabs took Devontae Adams, like and then we got Deshaun Jackson, Golden Tate, and Martavis Bryant. That's a lot of good depth there. What's up? Like Travis Kel- Kelsey pick was right there. Sandwich yeah, I was and talking about wide receivers. I don't care. I'm talking about <laughs> pass catchers. I think I'm like insanely high on Deshaun Jackson because I'm looking at this and I would have taken him before a number of the receivers that went ahead of him. Okay. I would ha- I would take him over. I'm just going to look. I'd take him over. Devontae Adams? Uh, Yeah. See, I'm, I'm like, hang on. Where, where is he here? Okay. So, oh, it's around six. So right, right. go the other way. So, I mean, I'm looking at, you know. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Larry Fitz, Gerald, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, Landry yeah. Terrell Pryor. Oh, I don't know about Pryor. Though. I think I'd take him ahead of Pryor. Wow. Oh, look, I'm not going to lie. I would take him over Sammy Watkins. I want no part of Sammy Watkins. I want no, want part, no part of Sammy Watkins. Of Sammy Watkins okay. this year. Well, let's, well, let's talk about both those guys real quick. Why do you guys want no part of Sammy Watkins this year? All those lower body injuries? Forget about it. I, I want no piece of that. They have denied his fifth-year option. Contract year, talented guy, still a good offense around him. Even in a all contract the, year, you can't. All the, all the ones who in the world didn't help your feet. Yeah, you know, I think that's the problem. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? If it was a conditioning issue, if it was a motivation issue, you know, I, I, I'd be with you. I love the I contract mean, year thing, but he's had it's one, the help. He's had one decent year. One. That's it. And like so, I'm I just I'm not sold that that he is that guy that that they want him to be. I'm just I'm too scared. I can't do it. It kind of goes hand in hand with what Cynthia Freeland did in round seven, which is when she took Zay Jones. And I think a lot of us were like, "Whoa, that is awfully early for Zay Jones." But in her write up, she said she really likes the upside of Zay Jones, mostly because of the health concerns surrounding Sammy Watkins. I don't know. What do you got, What did you guys think about uh, that pick in the seventh round? Uh, I, I thought, thought it was a touch early. <laughs> I felt it was a couple rounds early, too. Yeah. I understand the reasoning, and I'm sure her model might have been pushing her towards that as well. Yeah. I wasn't, like, over the moon about Zay Jones' like, talent. I, li- I like him. I think he's a good fit there as the number two. I wouldn't want to be over the moon about him taking over for Sammy Watkins I or something either. like that. But, I, I mean, he that's... He feels guess, like more of a like a high-level, you know, underneath guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I guess I just think that uh, Sammy Watkins, I mean, this is a guy that amidst his injuries in years past, we were still having to draft in, like, the second round. And the fact that I got him at the end of the fourth here probably could have even waited into the fifth and got him. You know what? That's a good point. That's that's not bad value for a guy who very easily could get throw up double-digit touchdowns in, like, 1,200 yards. I mean – that's if, and it's a tremendous if, sure. stays healthy. I mean, he hasn't but done he, it yet. If he doesn't do that, where does the production go? To LaShawn McCoy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really, see, that's, my fear, that's also my fear with Zay Jones is that he's going to be very reliant on Sammy Watkins being there and being productive. Because if it's a situation like last year, remember at points last year, uh, Robert Woods had to double as their number one guy because Watkins wasn't available. Um, 
you know, I, I just don't see Zay Jones stepping in here and having and being able to successfully carry that burden if it comes to that. I am not scared to say and not ashamed to admit I have no idea what happens if Sammy Watkins goes down again because it's a brand-new coaching staff. Sean McDermott is there now. Uh, we don't know. I mean, you know, they have a quarterback situation there that – I guess they, they, they like or they sign Tyrod. It seems clear they don't like Tyrod. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what kind of offense they're going to employ. Uh, I don't know how featured – I don't know how much of a featured role Sammy Watkins is going to have. I don't know. I, there's just a lot of question marks there surrounding the health, the coaching staff. There's just a lot of question marks uh, surrounding Buffalo right now. But I, I, I'm excited to see what the preseason looks like. i tell you what, because Buffalo is certainly one of those teams uh, I'm going to be keeping a very, very close eye on. Can I ask you guys what trends did you guys see emerge? One clear trend that I saw was that top-flight wide receivers seemed to fall quite a bit uh, in this draft. Willie Sneed, Randall Cobb, John Brown, they went in round 10. Well, that's being a little loose with the term top-flight. But, but <laughs> I think it more speaks to the depth of the position, that, that guys like that. Willie Sneed, as we all said in the chat of the draft, too, should have gone probably at least three rounds earlier. Randall Cobb, I mean, he's had recent injury concerns. Devontae Adams stepped up. I think there's, you know, the concern is warranted as to what his role in the Packers offense. If Martellus all, Bennett there all now. All three of those guys plus Martellus Bennett are healthy. Yeah. And then John Brown, I mean, him, he too is coming off the sickle cell trait, which allegedly he's he's good to go from now. But where, how are the targets going to be distributed in that offense with David Johnson seeing 120 last year, Fitz seeing a lot. They drafted Chad Williams out of Grambling in the third round. You know, I'm assuming if Brown would come back and is healthy, he would see quite a few. But there's just big question marks around that. All right. Any other trends you saw, Alex Gilhar? Uh, I think uh, we're getting we're falling into the trap at least this point of drafting some rookies very early. That's true. Getting a little ahead of ourselves. That's true. Not to point fingers at you guys, but you know, Jamal Williams and Kareem Hunt, and then Mike Williams all went together in the eighth round. Whoo! That just feels. Jamal Williams, we don't even know if he's going to beat out Ty Montgomery, much less the other rookies. Yeah. Kareem Hunt is still got to get over Spencer Ware, which was potentially smart on Marcus's point in this draft. Took Spencer Ware in the third. I like that. Then Kareem Hunt. Right. I just, I just think right now it's kind of a case where a lot of these guys, yes, it's exciting and they're unknowns and stuff yeah. like that. A little bit of recency but, bias too, right? Because the draft just happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But there are a lot of good veterans in really good spots that you can get values later, like. I ended up taking two two Ravens in round nine and ten, Mike Wallace and Terrence West. Like that, they did nothing aside from getting Danny Woodhead this offseason to address that offense. It's a good point. Mike Wallace is going to be the number one receiver there because Brashad Perriman's still a question mark. Terrence West is the number one and especially goal line back for at least four weeks, if not more. And you know, if he keeps Kenneth Dixon at bay, I just think and there's a there's a lot of good value uh, with veterans when you look around the board in these later rounds. All right. How about for you, Adam Rank? Any trends you saw emerge? Yeah, the rookies were the one things that, that stood out to me. Christian McCaffrey goes in the fourth round. Leonard Fournette in the third. Joe yeah. Mixon in the fourth. I think a lot of people will be looking at last year's success of uh, Zeke, Elliott. Zeke Elliott and be like, oh, yeah, the running backs are, are, are they're good again. I'm going to draft all these rookies. I don't know. If that's necessary. Although I do like those three guys. Um, but again, I like You're arguing that. against yourself. I am arguing against you myself. You took Christian McCaffrey, too. Well, because he's the exception. <laughs> he's, the one, he's the one of the three who's going to be really good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, you took Jamal Williams in round eight. I- I'd love to hear a crosstalk between uh, Adam Rank and, and – uh, 
uh, Alex Gelhart regarding Jamal Williams. Look, a lot I of folks. He, well, actually, hope, wait. Hold the phone. Yeah. Rank drafted four rookie running backs. <laughs> he took Christian McCaffrey, yep. Jamal Williams, Jeremy McNichols. That's right. And then Alvin Kamara. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I do. Rounding it out. I like it. Because uh, it is it is a recency bias. Can you talk to me about Jamal Williams, though, a little bit? Uh, and, and, again, I, I think when – Drafts come around in you know late July, early August. I, I think Jamal Williams will fall, but uh, a lot of folks don't know anything about this kid, Jamal Williams. Can you guys expound a little bit on, on his game? Well, I Frank, hope you, you drafted I, him. I hope he sucks. So <laughs> I just want to jinx him. And uh, I I, but wait, wait, wait! I you, really do. You did no. not take him in the fifth round, though. That's true. No, I should have done that. You should have done that. I ruined. I ruined Mark Ingram instead. Because Jamal in the fifth is a little bit too much, but uh, you know he's a he's a bruising running back coming out of BYU. Um, got a chance to see him. He really strikes me as the kind of running back that they really need. Okay. In Green Bay now they don't have John Kuhn sitting there annoyingly taking touchdowns. Eddie Lacy obviously is playing for the uh, Seahawks right now. Yep. It's hard to imagine Ty Montgomery being able to carry the ball 250 times. I think he's going to be a great. A great, I don't want to say gadget type player because he's a little bit more skilled than that, but he's going to fit into a role where he's going to be able to move all over the field. Right. And I think last year he averaged what five point seven yards per carry. That's what that's what Jamal Williams averaged in college, but he ran the ball like three hundred times. So he's <laughs> a guy who can do a lot of the dirty work. And okay. I think that for the Packers to be successful going forward if they want to start moving on in the playoffs they've got to have a little bit more of an established running game that can sometimes slow the games down do give them another option when they get near the red zone instead of having to always rely on Aaron Rodgers to carry them just to have a running back there who can go in there and punch it into the end zone and i think Jamal Williams can certainly do that he reminds me a lot of uh of Freddie Morris when he came in, where it's like he, there's nothing about him that stands out as spectacular. That's true. Where you watch Christian McCaffrey, you're just like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. Like yeah. he does so many good things. But Jamal Williams is also like a good football player, and I think <laughs> you're that, saying Ty Montgomery's not. No, he is. Okay, but he's a different kind of football player. I think Ty Montgomery is a special player. Um, we saw that at Stanford. But you're saying there's a there's a role in the offense for he's, both guys. He's not a 300. Yeah, I, I, that's the way the NFL. I mean, is. why why do you think Ty Montgomery is less of a guy for 300 carries than Jamal Williams because they are honestly like the exact same size they're about six are foot, they they're about six foot like 215 each really of, yes but time on time Montgomery was a wide receiver but he was always short and stocky I did yeah. not know that Jamal Williams was so I, I don't know 215 for Jamal god he runs like he's 230 man there yeah. was a reason though that he was moved to the wide receiver position is that they felt that over the course of his career or season or anything he wasn't going to be able to take the pounding year in and year out. I don't know if it was Dave Shaw or Jim Harbaugh. God, Harbaugh would have been gone. Um, who initially made that That's decision? I, I would assume it's Dave Shaw. Right. But at some point they said, you know, your best bet is to be a wide receiver. And, you know, you can be the same size. Well, let's have Alex Gilhart. Let's have Alex Gilhart. Different guys are different runners. Jamal Williams there in Green Bay, again, is going to be a guy that a lot of people don't know right now, but because he plays for the Packers, because he plays for this high-profile team, he's going to be a name that a lot of people circle. Uh, What did you think about his game? 
I mean, I I wasn't as enamored with him as several other analysts were. I know Franchise really liked him. Yeah. Uh, Matt Waldman, who we had on the show and really respect, was a big fan of Jamal Williams. I just think the Freddie Morrison comparison wasn't a bad one rank because he just doesn't – he didn't do anything that would wow me. He didn't, wasn't – it was not bad or anything. He's a good runner. He's capable of seeing the cutback lanes. He is pretty powerful as well. But I just th- – I think, like – He's he's a watered-down Eddie Lacy almost in this offense. He's not as big. He's not as bruising. And I think I think Ty Montgomery is going to be able to offer more than the to the offense than Jamal Williams would if given the opportunity. Like the equitable touches, I think Ty Montgomery would produce more with those. Ty Montgomery is also overall the much better athlete. His I agree. athletic profile is a lot 100%. better. He's got a lot better short-range quickness and things like that and explosion. So I, I I honestly think Ty Montgomery they I mean they didn't they obviously they didn't they wouldn't have drafted three running backs if they had 100% faith in Ty Montgomery right but I think that the cream's gonna rise to the crop from this group in training camp and stuff and Montgomery's you know dynamism being able to catch passes and being a strong physical runner is gonna have him at least be the starter for a while but it's uh his sample size last year was limited. It was. And I think the coach, and again, the coaches know what they got. And you use him in a variety of different ways that you wouldn't use Jamal Williams. And if having, you could have both of those guys on the field at the same time. Yeah. You put, obviously, Ty Montgomery into the slot, let him go and do his damage. I just think that you can be more creative with Ty Montgomery. He's your more high-end, like, expensive. Like, that's the dress shirt that you bought, you know, at, at Nordstrom that you only wear on special occasions or when you really want to impress. And then you put on a T-shirt. And, like, Jamal Williams would be like, we could ruin this guy's career in three seasons by overusing him, and we don't care. But we want to protect Ty Williams. Because that's a way a lot of these time NFL – Excuse me, Ty Montgomery. Right. Uh, a way a lot of these uh, coaches are operating now. All right, let's go around the horn. Marcus, we'll start with you. Uh, your favorite pick in your own draft was? Ooh. Um, John Ross in the 15th. No, I, no, 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 no. Let me take. No, let me, let me, uh, let me revise that. I'll go with uh, Rashard Matthews in the ninth. And why? Uh, I do think he's going to be a sleeper, and I, and I like Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis is going to be the you number took one. Corey Davis too. I did. I took them both. <laughs> um, I took him like two rounds earlier. I, I think he's going to be the number one rookie wide receiver. But and I know Alex feels sort of the same way. Like I, I do think we've gone so overboard into thinking that somehow Davis is going to like absorb all of the targets. Um, Rashard Matthews is still a good wide receiver, and he obviously showed that he can work well with Marcus Mariota last year. Yeah. And I think I think he's going to see a lot more opportunity than a lot of people realize right now. Alex Gilhar, your favorite pick. In your own draft, um, I'd probably have to go with Isaiah Crowell in the fifth. I love um, that pick. I, think I love that pick. He, you know, Crowell was a guy that uh, I just broke my thing back here. Never mind, it just came off. Uh, Crowell was a guy that ha- put together a pretty good season last year, but he had spots where he didn't see touches. I think as that offense was kind of figuring itself out, maybe they're motivating him or whatever. But the upgrades to the offensive line, the fact that I don't think Duke Johnson and I think the team understands it now after last season isn't ready to be like a between the tackles hammer. You know, the offense could just be better in general with that influx of talent, Cody Kessler in his second year, or maybe Deshaun Kaiser. I think, you know, Crowell's going to be a very solid RB2. And I considering I got him as my RB3 or flex play after already having Elliott and Ajayi in the fifth round. Yep. I was very happy with that value. I think that's his floor. I think that's his ceiling. I think he provides you a very good RB2 floor. I think he could absolutely be an RB1. In 2017 as well. I, I mean, think that's he was, his upset. what, he was just shy of 1,000 yards last year, I think, or did he just get over it? I can't Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. I'll, I'll buy that in the fifth round all day long. Adam Rank, your favorite pick in your own draft was? I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey in the sixth round. He was the tight end one last year. Okay. And just to sneak him in there just seemed like a robbery to me. Um, can I say that 
are we this may sound you know blasphemous but are we too high on Gronk or maybe not high enough on other tight ends the fact that Gronk went at what 22 uh pick round three pick round two. three pick so, yes, two yeah. 22 so 22 overall. overall the next tight end doesn't go until 51 Greg Olson Hmm. And, look, I know that the legend of Rob Gronkowski looms large, and when he is at his best, obviously he is a one-man wrecking crew. Multiple back surgeries. Multiple back surgeries. He's getting up there in age. The Patriots now have a gazillion weapons in this offense. And, yes, he will always be Tom Brady's number one target as long as he's out there and healthy. But I do feel like that gap in terms of fantasy tight ends is closing significantly on the field in the stat sheets, but it hasn't – it hasn't manifested itself quite yet in drafts. You don't think so? Because, I, I mean, last year, this guy was going at the end of round one, and you weren't seeing the next tight end go until, you know, maybe round six. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel as if that maybe, the draft gap has closed a bit. I guess. It just seems like that still 29 picks between tight ends seems huge. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the reasoning is is because I, I honestly don't think the gap is closing that much. Rob Gronkowski is an all-time great tight end. He is. And for fantasy purposes, what separates him from the pack is that he's only going to be 28 this year, too, for the record. So getting up yeah, there Yeah, but slightly. he's an old 28. In six of his eight years, he's had double-digit touchdowns. And I don't think if we went through the That's rest of all those tight ends you just mentioned, they have six double-digit touchdown seasons combined. Yeah, that might be true. So, like, that is why you put the premium on him there is because those – you know, six, five to maybe five to seven touchdowns. We'll say that he gets over those other guys. That is a huge difference maker at the end of the year. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, and again, as you mentioned, if he's healthy, I mean, the double back surgery, or I guess he's had three back surgeries now, hasn't he? Golly. So I don't know. I think that's going to scare off a lot of folks, and that's why uh, we've seen him fall in drafts. For myself, gosh, man, you know, I I, I kind of liked. Uh, Taking Ty Montgomery near the end of the fifth round there. I thought that was good value, too. Uh, you know, and again, I know we've talked about Green Bay's backfield a lot, but, you know, if we are if we are this hyper of Christian McCaffrey, I think we've already seen it being utilized, that game plan be utilized for a guy like Ty Montgomery. Um, and I do think that he's going to be – I just think he can be a really, really special player uh, in 2017. But we shall see. All right, let's close out your show with a round of Daily Daps. Daily dap time. We go to MG, my guy Marcus Grant. Uh, I'm going comic book heavy with my daily daps today. Uh, wandered just by chance into my friendly neighborhood comic book store on Saturday, only to be reminded that it was free comic book day, which is what? great. Um, How does that work? Uh, it's sort of like record store day where, you know, you know, publishers and writers will you know, maybe have a storyline or a particular artist or writer they want to f- feature, so they'll do a short issue and they'll hand them out for free. So it was great. Yeah, uh, but dope. I did pick up some cool things. Uh, Saga number seven is out, which is exciting. Uh, blew through that as soon as I got home. It's great. It continues to be an amazing series, so go get that. Deadly Class number five. Also, uh, I'm speaking of the trades, by the way, not the individual issues, but uh, Deadly Class, the trade number five, is out as well, which continues to be one of my favorite. And the other, not comic book, but comic-related news that really got me excited, um, 
FX has announced they are doing an animated Deadpool series. I saw that. With Donald Glover involved as one of the creators of it. So I know I've professed my man crush oh. on Donald Glover on this show before, and the fact that he's now so involved talented. in a Deadpool thing is amazing. So uh, talented. And I do think this is, you know, this is him getting his incremental, uh, you know, payback for not being able to be Spider-Man a few years ago. <laughs> I think he's he's going to take it out on the rest of the world by continuing <laughs> to do a lot of really cool, you know, comics, sci-fi stuff. He's going to be Lando Calrissi, and now he's doing Deadpool. This is this is his get back. You just should have let him be Miles Morales. Now he's going to take over everything. Boom. There you I go. like it. Adam Rank, what you got? Uh, I also went to the uh, comic book store over the uh, over the weekend. I bought just one trade. I just bought the Darth Vader one just because I just find myself not having a lot of time. It's always great. Like, I'll go home and read it and be like, I, I won't be reading comic books for another three. I've got <laughs> – I have stacks of them. Oh, do you? I have, I've like sta- – I have books in my, in my, in my <clears throat> desk. I don't yeah. have a phone. You don't have a phone. And the thing is, is uh, we had this young lady that worked here, um, Kati, and uh, she's not. She moved on. She was a temporary position. She came up to me one time. She's like, "Yeah, my friend worked for DC Marvel," and I'm like, "Okay, which one? That's not. The- <laughs> <laughs> They're two different ones." And uh, so she gave me a couple of titles, including a Harley Quinn trade that i haven't even been able to crack yet and the whole thing is like i'm gonna read this at lunch one time and the next thing you know i'm on you know doing whatever i do at lunch not reading that well there's certain things going on in the world that just draw my attention away. i see so, uh plus i watch more youtube videos now okay i try to get into more a little bit more comedy and uh, one of my one of my uh, <laughs> one of my gotta watch youtube it's amazing, uh, it's amazing. Uh, one of my favorite comics uh norm mcdonald has <clears throat> his special coming out i have not Yet had the opportunity. I don't even know if it's out yet, but it's coming out. Uh, at least it's coming out for me because I haven't seen it. Uh, but I do know that he's. Uh, this is being well regarded. A lot of people are um, very excited about it. One of my good friends, Keith Reza, is one of his openers, and he told me like this. This is probably some of his best work. So, if you get a chance, go check it out. If not, go uh, go to uh, YouTube and watch plenty of old school Norm and all that stuff. And Stephen Colbert, uh, for in, in recent weeks. It's really stepped his game in. up. Yeah, it stepped his game up and yeah. really drawn me in, and I really appreciate what he's doing, and I like – and it's just the fact that he's out there challenging people and going after – going whatever it is. It's it's hilarious to me when people are like, well, we're going to look – the FCC is going to look into it. You're like, you're not – the FCC of all people should know what safe harbor rules are. <laughs> like you, you should be the first one to know. So uh, go support live comedy. And uh, How about we support your YouTube channel? What you got? Uh, you could probably, f- I can't get my proper name on it mm. yet because like I had some old, like it's a funny thing. Like when you're a, when you're a youngster, yes, you always start off with a terrible, terrible YouTube name, but I started off with a great YouTube name and a terrible channel. So I I'm see. going the other, other way and trying <laughs> to get it. But if, uh, if you're, uh, if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, actually go to facebook.com slash Adam then you'll find my YouTube channel. We hit a hundred. We get 100 subscribers, so that means I oh, can name oh. it. <clears throat> yes. Exciting. Daily but, daps uh, to you, pal. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's very nice. Like, like after uh, just a couple of weeks. That's so. good. That's cool. Uh, I will daily dap the L.A.'s Natural History Museum. Which is dope. Uh, it's dope, not only because you get the to Coliseum? see. the Coliseum? Yes. Uh, yes. That's not, the greatest. Not only because can you can see dinosaur bones, but now they've stepped their fashion game up. I got this shirt. 
from the Natural History Museum. L.A. is in my DNA. Oh, I like that. I will say this. The Natural History Museum, I mean, obviously they, they've stepped up their fashion choices. They do a really great First Fridays where they have like live music, like actual great bands doing live music yep. and all kind of stuff. Uh, also, fun fact, Sheryl Crow filmed a video in there. Did she? She did. For, uh, I believe, if it makes you happy, she, uh, she shot inside my, the Natural wow, History the more, Museum. The more you know. Right? My wife and I were considering uh, doing our wedding ceremony. They do weddings there, too. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. Ooh. So we, we considered it for a hot second. Then she said, do I really want to get married next to a giant T-Rex? And the answer to that was a <laughs> yes. Why wouldn't you? No. Oh. And I said, okay. Uh, I will also daily dap. Uh, have you guys seen this thing making the rounds on the internet? The, the hashtag Bow Wow Challenge? Yes. Oh, my God. Wait. Is this about him and the plane? Oh, yes. my God. This is the best. Yes. I didn't see the challenge, but I saw <laughs> So Bow Wow, so so for those of you who are not in the know, Bow Wow Instagrammed a photo of a private jet in like a Bentley in front, parked in front of it, and said something about you know, travel day or whatever, right? So obviously, you know, implying that he's going to be traveling on this private jet. Well, a few hours later, somebody saw him on a commercial flight in coach, in coach, and took a picture of him. Um, so obviously he was outed for the fact that, you know, trying to say he was on a private jet when in reality he's flying coach, uh, on, and there's nothing wrong, by the way, there's nothing wrong flying coach. Okay. There's nothing wrong, no. but why are you fronting like you're on a private jet? That doesn't, I mean, so I get that you're funny. Bow Wow, but I, okay. No, Bow Wow, you're on CSI Cyber right now. You're not yeah, fooling no, anybody you know, at this with point, your private <laughs> jet, bro. At this point, can we just go back to calling him Shad? Like bit, bit oh. character on a CBS drama <clears throat> is not pulling in the kind of coin First for a private all. jet. That so, show's been canceled. Oh, has it? And second of all, it was <laughs> that's a good even show. worse. It was a good show. Like, don't Frank. so second don't respect an actor so then, who got a job. So then, the, so then the Twitter sphere gets a hold of it and they create this challenge, uh, this hashtag called the Bow Wow Challenge, where it's basically people faking like they're doing, like they're cool balling stuff. out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like an example of this would be like uh, they're like uh, about to get turned, and it's like a picture of like. Uh, what seemingly is a giant bottle of Hennessy or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And in reality, it's one of those little miniature bottles. The airplane you know bottles. Yeah, the right. airplane bottles. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just <laughs> – and there's a series of these pictures floating out on the internet right now with the hashtag Bow Wow Challenge. My God, I was dying. I'm going to have to look at some of these afterwards. Yes, yeah, some, some of them are very, very Oh, very my funny. God, they're done very, very well. I will undap myself uh, because I got fooled by a troll account – from uh, CD underscore Carter 13. He sent me something in French, and the French translation was, how did this guy get a job? And he at-tweeted me, and he at-tweeted NFL Network, and he used the shrug emoji. Uh, I had to obviously use the Google machine. I don't don't speak French. And and, (laughs) and so I I saw it was, how did this guy get a job? And I was kind of like, whoa. Why is this dude who is in the fantasy community? I'm like, why is this dude taking random pot shots at me? This is so random. And so I replied back to him saying, like, you know, uh, uh, I I appreciate your book. Uh, apparently, you were missing the page. Rise and take a random uh, flame, a random guy for no reason, uh, and grind page. Yeah. Uh, but then I found out that it was a troll account. Uh, <laughs> it's not his. It's actually not the guy. Yeah, and I and I was our, our friend Denny Carter, who has a number Denny of, of uh, fake accounts dedicated to him. And he I has know. like no joke, twelve or fifteen parody accounts. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. There's like, uh, there's like, 
Kenny Darter is one, and there's all. There, I asked him one time, and he li- tweeted to me like seven or eight of the accounts. That like, is, we should actually God. get him on the podcast and ask him about his the, uh, his parody accounts. Oh man. Anyways, uh, so undapped myself for not just doing the simple click. And Come on, James, you're, actually, you're an old school journo. You gotta gotta check that out. What am first. I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> what are you doing with your life? You know what I mean. What By the I way, doing? I put your uh, T-shirt on the oh. Instagram. On the gram. On the gram. You put it on the gram. He's doing it for the gram. It's doing it for the gram. That's what you do. All right, so there you go. Whoa. Uh, Alex Gelhar, yeah, what you got? I was going to say. No, no, I'm not closing the show okay, out. No, good, I got good. you, bud. Uh, first off, Daily Daps to Chris Stapleton. His uh, new album came out last Friday, From a Room, Volume 1. It is exceptional. If you hadn't listened to Chris Stapleton before, he's a country music artist, but he's not so much co- – he's got elements of country and blues and rock, and he's just phenomenal with an incredible voice. Uh, his first album, Traveler, was amazing. I saw him at Coachella, and then Harmon and I went and saw him at the Greek Theater. I'm going to probably try and see him at the Forum when he comes to L.A. later this uh, month, but his album's on Spotify. It's everywhere. Go check it out. It's really good. Also, Daily Daps to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Marcus yes. And I went to see that last Indeed. weekend. Mm. Lots of fun. I guess I could say Daily Daps to their marketing team because I am now enamored with Baby Groot, and I will be purchasing some sort of toy for uh. my desk or whatever. James is adorable and funny. He's, Don't he's, hate. He's, he's stupid cute in the movie. Don't hate. He is stupid that, cute. When he's, really, eating the M- when he's eating the M&Ms in the chair, like, so adorable. I mean, Don't. Spoiler. Don't you dare. Oh, yes, that, that impacts the story. Uh, and then lastly, oh, also, Better Call, <coughs> Daps to Better Call Saul, which last night had a phenomenal episode. Okay. It was just, like, sublime. Like, I'm still spinning from how good the episode was. I like it. Actually, it was two nights ago. Sorry, it was Monday is the show. Uh, but if you are not watching Better Call Saul, get caught up. It is exceptionally well written, uh, and it's just great to see all those other characters playing things out. Undaps to James Coe for hating on uh, Big Lebowski. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we need to talk about this. Do we? We do uh, because we need you know. To talk about this. You think you, you think you know a guy? Oh my god! And then he comes after oh one of the greatest movies god. of the nineties with a flamethrower take. What? Hey, look, this is the, the, and, it, and it's funny too because I said okay, you know, I gave the preface of hot take alert. Uh, I think Big Le- the Big Lebowski is, is is horribly overrated. Why is that a hot take? It still, like, hurts. can you just not like a movie? I don't look. I, and, like, I don't think like I. And th- this is the funny thing. So my reply of I think it's horrendously overrated got a bunch of retweets and likes. And also your take of – or no, your take of you're dead to me, Marcus Grant. You said, James D. Coe, you're dead to me. Also got an equal number of retweets and likes. I didn't understand that there are so many people out there who had poor taste in movies. <laughs> it's a it. polarizing film. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, like, you know, when it's in the top five of people's movie, I'm just like, like don't you I don't look see at, it. Don't you look at it when you start doing the top five? I think it's a good niche five, film. When you start doing the top five movies of the 90s and look at some of the things that it's up against, and you're like, nope, yeah, nope, maybe it's not nope. That, maybe it's not that great. Right. Like, Pulp Fiction came out in the 90s. Like, that should be your thing. Well, Pulp like, Fiction was my number one. Okay. And The Big Lebowski was my number two. Those two no, films no, changed no. my no. outlook <laughs> on cinema. <laughs> you are like, wrong. the two best, my two, my two favorite quarterbacks in the yeah. NFL are Aaron Rodgers okay. and Mike Glennon. <laughs> you know, but I, I said Aaron Rodgers. Did you just compare the Big Lebowski? I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm leaving. You That's said the Big Lebowski is the Mike Glennon wow, of I'm 90s leaving. Movies. Thank you. Kind of, yeah. Thank I am you. leaving. I said I gave Aaron Rodgers credit by saying he was the Big Lebowski. Uh, Adam Rank, thank you. But that's what it's like, right? <laughs> like you compare it to something else, and you're like, "Ugh." Um, uh, this is this is one of the reasons I said the Lebowski is the Big Lebowski. It was not in my top five, was because uh, I thought some of it was overacted. I thought some of it was a, a little bit over overdone. Uh, 
that being said, it's still a funny movie. Still a good movie. I'm All not right. saying it's a bad movie. Real quick. Let's it's just get, not in my top ten. Let's get your guys' top fives. In the 90s? Or the 90s. Oh. Top five 90s? I, 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 I feel like this has I'm to not be, ready for it. This needs to be adjudicated on Twitter.com. Of course is, it does. Of course it does. I didn't I'm just, a lot of drugs in the 90s, so it's going to take me a while to, <laughs> <laughs> to remember <laughs> yeah, what happened. I think Terminator 2, you guys threw out Terminator 2. That's certainly in my top five. Got to be. Hell yeah. Hell it, yeah. I, mostly because it. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Goodfellas was a. Goodfellas was a nine. Was Reservoir Dogs in the 90s? Yes. Yes, yes it was. 91, okay. I think. Okay. Seven? The 90s, that's what makes will, it so hard, is the 90s is an extremely deep I will say, Shank Redemption. I will say yeah, that the you. one the one bad omission I had, because Alex, Alex and I were kind of spitballing doing this. Fight Club? We my were also ba- drinking beers. Yes. We so my, my one regret is that I did omit the usual suspects. That should have been in my top five. Independence Ooh. Day? <laughs> Independence Day. <laughs> Get out of here with yeah, your I think we can, we can we can hit the music First now. First of all, <laughs> Lulis. Stop Lulis was Elvis. a good movie. What? Lulis. It's yeah. not Lulis. in your top five. Will you get out of here with But that? I'm saying there's good movies. Yeah, I know there's good movies. Just like The Big Lebowski is a Silence good movie. Lamb, it's just not in my top five. It's not even in my top ten, guys. Scream. I mean, Scream. it's a good movie. Oh, Scream's so good. Oh, my goodness. All right. He's in the hood? Jeez. I know. It's a deep, deep decade, but let's get out of here. Boogie Nights. Oh, my God. Boogie Big Lebowski. Here's the thing. Is Big Lebowski going to break my top oh my 20? God. Top 20? Big Lebowski is far superior to Boogie Nights. Oh, You can please. fight me about that. Will it you is stop far superior. I will literally not figure it out. Why are you trolling us with Boogie Nights? Thanks. That's a good Why movie. are you doing And that? listening to the Fantasy Live podcast. <laughs> We're out. I'm Rank, James D. Coe, Marcus Grant. Con- LA Confidential. We're out. Days and Confused. <laughs> Kindergarten. Okay, that would be second. Starship <laughs> Troopers. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.